Hey, welcome to the Aaron Werner podcast on iCode Media. Today we have a fun conversation about virtual assistants and the keys to bringing them onto your practice successfully. We welcome Corey Pinneger of Team and Dr. Joe Deloach. So Corey is with Team, T-E-E-M, and don't confuse that with your practice team or T-E-A-M. So Corey founded Team to help us be successful with virtual assistants. We have a great conversation, talk about some things that I had not considered when we brought on our virtual assistant. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Please join our discussion, leave a comment, share a note, share the conversation with a friend. Of course, give us five-star reviews and support those who support us. Discovering the impact of Life Meter this year has been truly transformative for motivating my patients with macular degeneration to embrace carotenoid supplements. With this non-invasive device, we can now quantitatively show that supplements are working. Life Meter assesses carotenoid concentration in the skin, reflecting fruit and vegetable intake, and indicating levels in other vital tissues like the retina and brain. Supported by over 30 peer-reviewed publications, LifeMeter's accuracy, consistency, and effectiveness have been validated in 2,000 subjects of varying background. What's more, it offers the flexibility to prescribe the best-suited products for each patient. My patients love knowing their numbers and witnessing improvements in as little as a month. Better yet, compliance with carotenoid supplements has surged, doubling our sales of MacuHealth since the LifeMeter's implementation. I am honored to uh, be sitting here with Corey and Joe. And we're gonna talk about something that I think is uh, really kind of popped up in the last couple of months, and, uh, and that is virtual assistance. I know some listening to this were really cutting edge and you probably, uh, you know, virtual assistance is old hat. They're integrated already into your teams and part of your systems. Uh, but I think for a lot, this is a very interesting and exciting new frontier in healthcare, running a business. And, uh, and really how we take care of our practice and our patients. But before we jump into the discussion, which I know is gonna be fantastic, I want to have Corey and Joe uh, both introduce themselves to, to everyone a little bit. Um, so Joe, we'll start with you and then uh, we'll jump into Corey because uh, we haven't heard his story yet. So welcome back, Joe. And uh, just remind everybody uh, who you are and why we get to talk to you a bunch. Yeah. So. Joe Deloach, Practice Compliance Solutions, uh, stranger to few. Um, we, um, you know, as a, as a compliance company, we actually got involved with this. Mm, it's been well over a year now, and it actually was uh, uh, Bethany Fishmine that got me involved with this concept uh, of looking because her company, Power Practice, was really big into and and. I don't want to steal Corey's thunder here, but um, I, I actually don't like the term virtual um, employee. Hey, you can steal my thunder. Because <laughs> they're real. <laughs> um, and, you know, what, what I was I was pretty anti this whole concept for a long time until I realized that a remote worker is a remote worker, whether they're remote at home in the same town as your practice or remote in Brazil. Uh, it's really no different. Uh, they're not in your office, uh, but they're real. They're not virtual. So I, I tend to commonly call them remote workers, just like the rest of them. But uh, Bethany got me involved from a standpoint of looking at it, obviously from a compliance side. What are the potential, you know, compliance issues, especially with HIPAA, and what are the potential HR issues uh, with this whole concept? And so we started investigating a lot of the companies out there. And I guess later on we'll figure out how I ended up, you know, getting involved with Corey. Uh, but it's a it's a pretty easy explanation. They were the only company we really found that checked off all of our compliance boxes. So, so we actually have been involved with this for about a year and a half now. Um, and uh, I'm just here to add to answer those questions related to those concepts because Corey's the one with the company and the one that can really be of benefit to you here. So I'll turn it to you, Corey services and overdue patient recare services for dental practices. And we built our services up to thousands of dental practices across the United States, had hundreds of team members in Utah, and then magically COVID hit. Wages, as we're all aware, went through the roof. Finding people was nails on a chalkboard. 
and uh, getting people to stay within a business even once you hired them was a problem within itself. And we had 300 people plus within our call center. And so if we were not every single month bringing in 20 new heads, we were shrinking in size due to our current churn. So we were brainstorming as an executive team a couple years ago, and the idea of hiring a few remote team members who were a part of the BYU Pathways program in Brazil and Argentina came up. And I will be the first to admit, I thought it was the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I had called Visa and MasterCard a bunch and had had a horrible experience where they couldn't answer my questions and I'd get frustrated and I couldn't even understand what they were saying. So I was very anti ever having staff with that, you know, outside the bounds of the United States. But we were in a position where we really had no other alternative. So we hired two as a pilot. I thought it would fail. Um, I can confidently say that I was horribly wrong. We found some of the most dedicated, hardworking individuals that I've ever come across in my life. Those two individuals that we hired nearly three years ago now are still with us today and have grown immensely within our business. And so what I realized during that time is there's amazing people throughout the globe. And really what COVID did is it flattened the earth. Before the idea was you had to go to a physical location to make work happen. And that's still necessary in a lot of functions today. But there's things that happen in the back office of an optometric practice that necessarily don't need to be there. Insurance verifications, revenue cycle management, new patient phone calls, admin related duties, confirmation calls that don't need to bog down the front desk in the relationships. And so that's really why we're here today. There's amazing people around the globe who are looking for careers with practices and come at a fraction of the cost, which allow practices to operate less stressed and more profitable. Yep. No, awesome, Corey. The, uh, and that's really what drove my office to, uh, to look at virtual assistants. Um, we've had one as a, as a scribe. We're hiring another one now. Um, actually, I think we, we um, uh, you know, engaged that person today and are going to start training. But I want to make sure that the team I have at the office is there 100% de dedicated to the people that walk in the front door. And I want the, 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 uh, the, the, the patients who are not there to get their full attention met or needs met as well without having to wait. And so instead of having one person try to be the in-person person and you know, remote person answering phones, replying to emails, engaging, um, it, it made more sense for us to separate the two. And from a financial perspective, it actually allowed me to invest more in the, in the team members that I had so that the ones that wanted to have a profession within our, our practice could turn it into a profession. Um, because sometimes we just honestly couldn't pay enough to do that. It was a really good job and they wanted to stay, but because their life needs, and look, I'm in San Diego, which was just rated the uh, single most expensive place in the country to live. Go us. Um, so, right. Um, but they, they, they need to be paid a, a, a accordingly. And, uh, and so this allowed me to invest into those that really wanted to be there and, uh, and then also get the needs met. Um, and help somebody in, in wherever part of the world they're at um, who, to your point, want a career as well. I 100% agree. Yeah, no, it's, it's been fun. So, uh, and I'm sure there's a, a whole rabbit hole we can go down, but what are, in, op in an optometry practice, what are some of the ways you're seeing practices engage with their virtual assistants and, and use them um, to help make the practice more efficient or, or skill set wise? Yeah, this is a really good question, and it's evolving. Um, most practices come to us currently for four core areas of service. Number one is inbound phone calls. When the re reason we even chose to dip our toe into the space is we looked at data from Weave and other major phone providers solely dedicated in the optometric space. 28% of all phone calls that are rolling through to practices during business hours are currently going unanswered. And so we said there's obviously room to drive better patient care and 
better financial for performance for the practices. So number one reason we get called is right there. Number two is overdue patient recare calls, confirmation calls, some of the busy work that often falls on the back burner when you're checking patients in and out, you need a second to breathe, you've been on the phone with you know, a insurance company for the last 45 minutes trying to get information. So that's one and two. Number three is insurance verifications. And especially as we ramp up into the new year, insurance verifications will be a very hot topic. And then number four is scribing. And we have people hire for you know, other more minute areas, but those are the greatest four areas of impact. If you ever went to hire a virtual assistant, we've been lucky during the last two years to do well over 700 of these roles. And we've watched people go be incredibly successful, and I've also watched some nuclear bombs go off. And so if I, if I gave people my two cents on what should virtual assistance be used for, it's once you've done something in your practice where you know how it works, you know metrics that they could be held to, you know how to train them, then take that exact same process, you know it, you know how to bake cookies, and then just hire someone else at a more cost-effective rate to do it. Where it doesn't work is, hey, here's a brand new concept that I'm not really sure, and now I'm about to communicate with someone remotely. It just, it, it doesn't lead to as smooth of a transition. And so those replicable, consistent processes that are vital but can bog down the busyness of a practice are what should be moved over to a virtual team member. So this isn't a fairy godmother that's gonna come fix all the problems that I have internally. Hey, I wish it was. <laughs> yeah. I'm still well, waiting for that day to happen. Yeah, well, well, when you find that, I'm sure it'll cost a little bit more. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, I, I agree with you. In fact, we, we listed out exactly what the, the job description was. So we knew what we were, were hiring for. Um, and, uh, and what occurred to me is I'm writing down the four that, things that you talked about, the, answering the phone calls, the, the recalls, insurance verifications. For the most part, those are the things that my good in people, in-person people, don't like to do. Right? That's the, the, the crap sandwich they get to eat at work when you don't you know, so you try to do everything but do those things, which is why they fall away, because they're just, they're not fun for that personality type, where the right person loves that. The person that loves that, I've also found, doesn't like as much that in-person interaction and relationship. So they excel and in different roles. You, you bring up something really important. Why do these team members get, that we're hiring in behalf of the practices, get excited about these roles and opportunities? It is so common, just as I started off today with, for Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Accenture to have 100,000 employees in a certain country that all work in a massive building in some type of call center functionality where they are just a number. The opportunity to get to go work for a you know, small to medium-sized human-based business is radically different, where they are valued in real in-person interactions, not just reading a script and then getting told to fulfill their duties and to hit their numbers. And that's what outsourcing, when people think of it, was for so long. And what we're trying to break the stigma on is they're humans just like the three of us are today. And so if they can be engaged and be in a role that's different than what they've spent their last 20 years doing, this is so exciting for them. And then the pay to go along with it puts them in the top 20% of their own country where they are moving them and their families forward to where they can live better lives. Yep. That's, and, and it's fun for us to get to know them as well. I know that when you know, we, we engage uh, our virtual assistant as much as we can in the office, we get to know them, we get to know their family, we celebrate their birthdays. You know, uh, they're there virtually with us celebrating birthdays. And so it's, it, it still has that small office feel. And, and that's, it's, it was something I was concerned about. And it's been really kind of cool to see that my fears not only uh, uh, you know, didn't come to true, but they engage so much more with us on a, on a personal level. That is, if you look at the reason that we have, when we look at employees who feel engaged and happy within a business, that's the number one reason, where they feel valued and treated as the same. Yep. Absolutely. Now, you said something, and, uh, and this is where my expertise uh, uh, 
really, really falls off the ledge, and, and I'm glad we've got Joe here. So you made the comment, we're, and I wrote down, we're hiring on behalf of offices. So what I don't know is once I, I uh, engage with a virtual assistant, um, so I engage with Meet, and I say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a virtual assistant, what is that process? And, and Joe, I'm gonna ask you to jump in on, number one, should I be concerned with what that process is? Um, and, and two, what are the things that I should be aware of um, because hiring virtual assistants is new to us, right? And I want to make sure that I'm protecting my entity, um, I'm protecting that individual, I'm protecting everything, and just doing it in a compliant way. Um, so when you say you're hiring on behalf of offices, what does that look like, Corey? Really good question. So we get paid as a vendor. Mm -hmm. And so if our fee is you know, $1,800 a month or $1,600 a month, we get paid the vast majority of that is dispersed to the team member that we have. What we do is we serve as something called an EOR or an employer of record where we bear that risk. Our agreement with the practices that we serve is with the practices. So we serve as the intermediary of misclassification and compliance risk, but then also cybersecurity and HIPAA compliance there as well. Our job is to bring expertise on how to set up international labor laws and also cybersecurity in a way that practices are protected. We get lucky to do 50 plus new roles of this every single month. And so we have the ability to get really good at how do we set this up to be successful. So not only part of our relationship or value here is bringing a really great human being who's engaged, but setting it up in a way to be long-term secure and successful. And really what we have to own is that employment law or misclassification law, and then helping guidance on the HIPAA compliance and cybersecurity portions. Joe's the expert here, so I'll really turn that over to him. Well, <clears throat> this was exactly why we were drug into this. And, and I literally mean drug into this because interesting, much like Corey, when... <laughs> When this, when all this came up, I was like, this is, this has to be the craziest idea I've ever heard in my life. Uh, because I think everyone associates it with, you know, calling Dell help center or MasterCard, like, like Corey was saying, and having an entirely frustrating, if not completely unsuccessful experience. And I was just like, I want to bring that into a healthcare practice. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. Plus, is it even legal? And so that's where we came in and had to start, you know, tearing this stuff apart. And, you know, the the compliance side of it from like HIPAA, which is the main compliance, you know, regulatory law in, in the association, that's pretty easy. It's just a matter of them being trained just like you train your own staff. And in this case, we have a company that's that's assisting in that training as well. Uh, so that's all great. My biggest concern actually came from the HR side. Uh, and Corey kept using two terms over and over. It's <laughs> misclassification, employee of record. And and that's that it really is the key to why we latched on to team. Because you have two choices in this remote hiring process you can be the employer or you can use a company that is the employer of record. So where do you want the HR responsibility to lie? And understand that you are under the HR laws of that person and where they live. So you may hire them for your practice in Texas, but you're actually under the laws of where they live. So do you even know what those laws are? I mean, it's hard enough to follow laws in the United States and understand them. You have no concept of what the laws are there. That's why you need a company that is the employee of record. They are the one responsible for, for adherence to HR laws, compliance laws, all these things that we have to do in the United States, they should be responsible for. And we've only found one company that actually does it that way. Now, there may be others. I can't say that I can speak for the entire industry. Uh, but, but Corey's company is the only one we have found that really checks that box off completely of, I am, I think of it like a staff service. I mean, I'm, I'm almost like renting staff from them, but they work for them, 
they're the ones that are responsible for their HR. They're the responsible ones, kind of responsible if something goes wrong, not me. Um, so that was the biggest thing. Now, having said that, I also want to throw in my personal story because we hired team uh, remote workers as well. A company that we were totally against the whole idea all along, and now we've got them. Uh, but my situation, Corey was talking about, you know, what do you, what do you use these people for? And he mentioned it's kind of, I don't want to call them the mundane things, but it's not the real complicated things in your practice. I went at it totally opposite. I said, my number one problem in running a compliance company is keeping up with all the changes in compliance law. So I sit around an hour or two every day, every day being a pseudo attorney, reviewing listservs and articles and on and on and on. And it is the bane of my existence. And I said, if we're going to do this, that's what my team person is going to do. They're going to become my pseudo attorney. So I jumped into this thing like into a 20 foot pool and we spent two and a half months training this person before they have ever done one function of their job. And it's the greatest investment I've ever made because mainly my team, you know, basically my personal assistant is now doing the job that I hated to do, but was one of the most essential components of practice compliance solutions, which is keeping current of what the law says. She's doing an amazing job. And I just can't also say over and over, you know, I, I watched, a, I actually watched a podcast and I wish I could remember the OD's name. He's up in New York, uh, well-known guy, but I can't remember his name. And he was saying, you know, somebody asked him, do you ever get grief for hiring these people outside the United States? And he's like, well, you use some explic explicatives that I'll leave off. But it was like, no. Uh, I have had running advertisements in the newspaper with the AOA, with everybody trying to hire people. It's just nonstop. I'm paying every month to recruit these people. Nobody wants to come to work. Nobody wants to stay. Nobody's enthusiastic. Nobody wants to be here, much less at anything I am capable of paying them. And he has, I don't even know how many, I think he said he had like eight or 10 remote workers uh, among his two or three offices now. Wow. It's like, I don't feel bad about it at all. These wow. people are ecstatic and they have a work ethic that I've never seen before. And I would agree with that. Well, well it says a lot when, uh, when a compliance company uh, jumps onto something. And, uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, and, I, yeah, um, and I would agree that, so my attitude, because I got asked that, in fact, by my own team when they said, hey, why are you looking outside? I said, I'm, my personal take is I want to give opportunities to those who want the opportunities and not just I want it on paper. I want to give opportunities to whomever wants to work hard, build a career, build a profession. And we live in a global economy. And so as, as much as I would, you know, uh, uh, like to be isolationist, um, you know, we're not. And I think it's important in understanding a global economy. Uh, patients have really responded well to the, uh, um, to our, our scribe virtual assistant and uh, the little kids enjoy the, the cat that pops up in her background and uh, kind of changes around. Um, but there's a personality there, there's an engagement there. And, um, and unfortunately, I live in, the, in California. Well, not unfortunately, I love California. I don't shovel snow. But, I, uh, but the, the game changes and our minimum wages are going up. Minimum wages for healthcare employees are, are going up. And while I may be able to on paper excuse myself from things uh, from those requirements you know my team are healthcare employees and I think they deserve to be paid as healthcare employees and so I need to be able to to work within the game um, to take care of, of everybody including the practice itself as a whole so the it, I, I want to go back on one term both of you talked about so the employment of record um, because before this this discussion I've never heard that term right um, I was always the em employer of record I guess because I hired people so what we're saying here is when I bring on my, my new virtual assistant, I'm not actually hiring them, right? So um, we may have to come up with a different term. Um, you're, you've hired them and I'm just engaging with them. Kinda, yeah. Walk me through that terminology a little bit there, Corey. Yeah, employer of record is a newer term as 
the world is more of a global economy than it's ever been. Are you familiar with a PEO or a professional employment organization? Yep. We are a global PEO okay. because some people are like, well, I don't even, you know, my practice is in California, which has, or let's make Washington as an example, tougher employment laws. There's, there's more paperwork than typical and stepping outside the lines is something people don't want to do. We do that in Latin America and other parts of the globe are as an example, like Brazil is broken into 10 plus states within it. Our paperwork and the information we collect and verify is different in every state to factor in employment and contract law information that is important. So it's our job to stay up to date. Every year, our general counsel has to review information to determine that we are in or not within misclassification. We bear that risk. That's part of the job going forward because as a solo practice, it would be so expensive to do that for one off employee to fully stay within compliance for the benefit of the team member you hire and also the practice. We're able to aggregate that cost over hundreds of practices and hundreds of team members and really be an expert at great people at a reduced cost and helping them work and be classified correctly. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah let, me just, let me just add that it's the, the dramatic nature of what he just explained is truly going over the heads of many of our colleagues right now. What he just explained was the way it happens. And you have to understand, remote workers are nothing new to the United States workforce. It's just new to optometry. Uh, this has been going on for decades. It's really not that new, but doing it right is becoming very, very important. And I'll come back to that topic in just a minute, but, but your alternative to what was just explained is here, here's some people that you may want to hire. And if you hire them, you're the one that needs to know what all those 10 state laws in brazil beauty of this i can record it or mark where it was and we can go back and i know that's the great that's the crazy thing and you know he's yeah, over he there forward. going on a passionate rant oh, and yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be in the podcast and then you can naturally pick he's it back up <laughs> oh, i love joe the um We'll, uh, hopefully he helps back in here in a minute. Yeah. Do you release it as a video or do you just do the audio? We release as a video, but it, I mean, five people will watch the video. Uh, yeah. yeah, most people just listen to the, the audio. Yeah. So it's, uh, we've talked about doing a, uh, going video. And um, what's interesting is, so my son who's 20 is our producer. We just brought him on as a producer. and. He kind of scolded us and said, you guys are, you know, a bunch of old dudes. Like, you should be throwing this on YouTube channels. You should be throwing this on your Instagram. And Chris Wolf goes, crap, I don't even have an Instagram on my phone. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a totally different uh, world and way of engaging. But I watch the uh, vast majority of my podcasts on YouTube. You watch them? Oh, yeah. Why? Well, I, uh, I just will. So I have a couple screens here and I just when I'm doing like more mundane paperwork, I'll uh, throw one up in the left corner okay. and then I just keep on working away. So I totally agree with his, huh. with his sentiment. I actually enjoy watching like verbal expressions and how people react to certain things. And it's just two people sitting on a couch or two people on a split screen going back and forth. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's, it's super cool way to engage with people. What in earth? So I think I didn't move enough in the room. So I'm going to go move and uh, turn the lights back on. Hey. All right, well, I'll mark again. So we'll continue on a different topic and then come back with, uh, with Joe. Um, the new topic. So what are the, um, 
kind of the fun things with uh, we found out when we were hiring a virtual assistant is we didn't know what we we didn't know we wanted. We know the the, the task we wanted done, and even though it's you're engaging with somebody and I've, I've since found out the process is really no different than if I hire any other employee, right? I've got candidates, I talk to them, it, it, we all put on our best face, we pick with which one is going to be the best and uh, hope, it, hope it works out well. Uh, we've got to put them through a training, uh, you know, curriculum so they understand us even if they came from, from optometric or healthcare background, they got to learn the EHR or the practice management system. Um, and so, uh, so we've since learned that, you know, engaging with a virtual assistant is no different than than, than engaging somebody in the office. Um, other than you don't have that uh, that you know time where you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting to to meet with them, or you know, uh, you, you, you know they ask awkward questions. Um, but one of the the cool things that, uh, that you guys do is we've been able to engage with a manager, um, and ours is U.S. based. I, I don't. No, if all of them are all of them, but are. all of them are okay, cool. Uh, but she worked in an optometry practice, so uh, I actually passed on the responsibilities to my office manager to hire the, the current virtual assistant because it's very administrative and the, the tasks that we're looking for. And she was very scared. I said, just talk with our manager or talk with their manager. She called me back and she goes, Oh my gosh, she knows exactly what I want. She worked in a practice, she understands it, she gets it, she knows what we need. Um, and then actually called me this morning and is frustrated because she wants to now hire two people um, because she found two amazing people. And so her pitch to me was we need to hire two, not one. And uh, uh, so I'm trying to figure out if that's hey, it looks like out. I'm giving someone a bonus once I hop off yeah, the call yeah. over here. <laughs> and, uh, um, the uh, it was super impressed by both by both candidate was raving about them. You know, all the, the challenges that you had talked about um, the people share that I shared about not being able to understand somebody and not being able to understand their, their language. One of them's a registered nurse um, where they're at. The other one is, is came from an insurance background, so understood the, the nuances of insurance. It's incredibly detail-oriented, um, which is probably who we're going to hire first because that's the role we're, we're looking for. But now I've, I'm being told I have to create a new, a new position. Um, so kind of walk us through what's that engagement with the – and what have you found the importance of having that – manager how many offices are they engaging with you know what's their role in this whole process yeah and really good question so you know part of what we do or part of what i believe going to the business side which i i think is interesting peter thiel who is the founder of paypal um part of his you know uh, mentorship that he goes through is you want to find an industry and you want to monopolize it and when we looked at data before we jumped into an industry I found optometry to be interesting. And what we don't want to come in and do is just provide great humans, but how do we also connect with the practices and serve as advocates and mentors? So all of our customer success managers come from practice administrative roles within optometry. What that allows us to do is actually connect with the people within your practice and others' practices, when they say, oh, I really need help here, it's not, oh, explain that to me. It's, I've lived and breathed the hiring struggles and training multiple people. And then also, when we hire a brand new team member and they start after their first week, and the success manager is checking in with them and saying, hey, how are things going? And they say, hey, it's going really well, but I don't understand this part about scribing or scheduling a new patient, they can again connect with them and move things forward. And so not only do we wanna be providers of great humans, but we want to again serve as the advocates for remote work in a way that actually works successfully as an advocate and a mentor and an advisor for each side. Other things that we're doing specific to optometry right now is we have a direct integration with Weave. And so practices, instead of having a third-party line or just having their team members not being able to answer the phone, is actually making those inbound and outbound calls, which makes more of a unified one-team approach. Other things we're doing right now is actually looking at pieces of technology that work best for remote scribing. And so using a dictation service that our scribe is looking at, so they're picking out the pieces of information. We've been testing certain mics that the doctors could wear or have within the room that give us the greatest level of clarity 
on that dictation too, so that I'm not like as a scribe leaning in saying like, okay, what did I hear? What are they saying? Where should I put in those notes? And so how do we get really specific? Because it's someone's first time hiring a remote scribe. They're like, okay, do I set them up with a remote connection? Mm -hmm. What tools do I give them? Can we have a one pager that says, hey, you're hiring your first remote scribe. Here's what you need to order. Here's how you should integrate them. We've watched people do it really well. We've watched people not. This is what leads to success. And the team member having the tools to succeed where they can do it really efficiently. And so we see ourselves as holistic advisors for success within the practice. That's awesome. And you just dropped a, a lot of stuff there. And, um, and, and one of the things that you said, I think you, you skimmed over it a little bit, and I did do a little bit of, of research on this during COVID when we all went to telehealth. And that is how do we engage with, with people in a, in a doctor you know, relationship um, in a HIPAA compliant way. And uh, while you know, we were able to use face, FaceTime or whatnot for a, a brief period, that certainly isn't what we wanted to do. And so finding the HIPAA compliant secure connections was important. Um, one of the things I was impressed with uh, with you all was that your virtual assistant came with that subscription, I don't know what else to call it, um, that was compliant. So the, the, the responsibility wasn't on me to try to figure out which of these different you know, video engagement systems I wanted to use. You, you came with a, a very viable option um, so that I didn't have to worry. And also integration of Weave, which made us happy, and, and I don't know the penetration in the market, uh, with optometry with weave but I'm, I'm my understanding is it's pretty darn high but that allowed them to uh, to seamlessly kind of integrate within our practice without me trying to have to figure out how to get it done and uh, and whatnot um, which i think are, are two very important things uh, and i think joe's back with us but uh, you know from a, a just a how i engage in protecting patient health information and uh, and, and secure connections you know, what are the importance that, what is the importance of making sure that I've got all that squared away? I mean, number one, it's just providing a really good, easy integration for the practice so that it's not clunky. And how do we do it in the most secure way so that patient data is kept as secure as possible and standards are met at the highest level. And so for us, it's how do we advise practices? This is a lot of you know, practices first time hiring virtually. And so instead of having them clunk through that process where there could be compliance or just frustrations, we want to serve as an advisor to make the process as seamless as possible and reduce that pain of doing so. Yeah, I mean, I, I can comment there because I, I think sometimes, again, we're, we're kind of deviating from the thought process here this remote worker is no different than if they're in brazil as if they're across the street um they are not in your office and therefore you must have a secure hipaa compliant connection to them whether they're down the street or across the world it's really no different but what corey is is stating is they are another resource to, to help you make that happen. Now, I'll, I'll rein Aaron on your parade just a little bit because as, as the covered entity in HIPAA, the ultimate responsibility for securing that still is your job. Uh, so what team is providing is just additional expertise to make you help you make those decisions but ultimately, you can't go back to team and go, gee, your stuff didn't work right. Um, you have to, you know, ultimately make sure that's correct. But you're dealing with somebody who has more expertise at this than probably you do. Uh, so it's just another added benefit of the process. Yeah, very cool. Um, and out of curiosity, Corey, what are you, what are you seeing practices use um, for video conferencing and, um, and, and telephone engagement? Uh, so for video conferencing, our two recommended um, platforms are Google. Now, mm -hmm. something important to note is a Gmail account is not HIPAA compliant. A Google business account with a signed BAA 
is HIPAA compliant. So as part of our agreement with the practice, we bring a Google Enterprise licensed account that they can join and set up all of the meetings with. We can also do Zoom. Um, and then we also set up Slack channels that, again, are HIPAA compliant, or you can use other forms of in-office tools. But the important thing to know is it's not HIPAA compliant out of the box. Usually you have to go search for the BAA within the agreement in Google, in Zoom, in Slack, and engage that. So, yep. And that's probably good advice for anything that we do from a, uh, if we're emailing, you know, just currently our emailing system, uh, to making sure that whether it's Gmail or whatever, that it, it, it's a HIPAA compliant system. Well, and the reason I said that is I notice all the time I'm, I get emails from drx at gmail.com and the more secure we can make things allows just for a better protected environment going forward. Yeah, yeah. so, cool. And Joe, I know that you helped us do that years ago and uh, so we're very familiar in our office now with the, the Google business and making sure that it's, uh, it's compliant and. I'm less worried now when patients are responding to, to or employees are responding to patient emails and, and things. So, yeah, and I also think, I you know. I don't have a fact. Yeah, it, it's, it's really changed. I mean, if we go back three, four, five years, establishing compliant connections and, um, you know, all this, it, it was fairly costly. Uh, it's just not anymore. Um, I mean, totally HIPAA compliant uh, email systems, domain-based or cheap. Um, uh, things like, you know, Google Pro and, you know, Google Business, they're, they're just not expensive. So it's, it's not a barrier like it used to be. These things are the, establishing really, really HIPAA compliant programs. It's just not that complicated anymore. And a lot of the companies know they have to be or they're not going to get the business. So the majority of platforms are, you know, becoming HIPAA compliant. Um, but it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, I, I just look at the contract with them. It, it's got to state they're HIPAA compliant. You do have to have, Corey keeps saying business associate agreement. And I think he's trying to make a point there that, you know, it doesn't matter if you have this stuff, if you don't have the business associate agreement in place, because that's the bond between you and that company that says, hey, we all are on the same page here. Uh, and it's an, it's an essential component of HIPAA compliance. Perfect. And PCS compliant, or, uh... Uh, customers uh, are very well aware of that. Um, yep. And, uh, and if you're not, uh, no, really, I think it's uh, compliance. Enjoy your, you know, you may laugh, but it, it feels like it's the same story just with a couple of different players when you're talking, whether it's uh, HR or HIPAA or OSHA or um, uh, uh, fraud and abuse, right? Just make sure that you know the rules, that you've got it documented appropriately, and then you're following whatever your, your policies are. Yeah. One other point I wanted to make that, that, that both of y'all were talking about, about this, this can simplify the process. And Aaron, you were talking about how difficult it is to find people and go through the employment process and the regulations in California, you know, and they can come in with, you know, bone spicules through their nose and you still have to hire them. Um, remember, you're hiring somebody in a different country. The rules are different. And how you can not discriminate, but more mandate that these are the requirements for the job that we have where some of that mandate in the United States can turn into discrimination real fast uh, where you're dealing with another agency you can you know tend to avoid some of those potholes that you can fall in in the discrimination category not that you're trying to avoid the law or discriminate against anybody but you know right. like you said unfortunately I'm in Cal you're in California and you know, you can't, if you don't look at them with two eyes and both eyes wide open, you're probably discriminating against them. So it, it, it's just, it's really nice to have somebody else that is the HR arm and all you're doing is paying them to do that for you. And that's really the system that we have here. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I love, I love all my employees, but I hate the HR part of it. And so, uh, having somebody else be able to do that is, is huge, especially, not knowing the rules of the game wherever wherever they're from. Um, we've talked a lot about the, the, the compliance training in our office. You know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of PCS, and so we do our annual compliance training as a team. When we hire somebody new, uh, we make sure that, that they get their compliance training. 
Corey, who, how do you have your uh, virtual assistants get uh, get trained? Do they go through a, a program? Do they? Is it at my responsibility to make sure that they're they keep keep updated on their training? Yeah, really good question. So in regards to HIPAA compliance, what we're actually finalizing with PCS right now is a corporate license within our learning management software where all new hires would go through a uh, HIPAA compliance process, just like in your practice where we would be licensing that for all of our new hires through PCS. PCS by far is the leading um, compliance leader in the optometry industry. And so as part of our promise to be industry experts, we wanted to bring them in and license it for all of our new hires going forward. We're still finalizing that. So that is not started as of today, um, but over the coming months, we're looking to launch that for all new practices and new hires going forward. Awesome. Well, I, I, and I didn't know that to even tee it up, but that was the perfect little You to, Hey, and I was sitting there <laughs> saying, like he, setup, hey, he it up, <laughs> and I, I slowly backed up and I took the biggest home run because I said, hey, I ain't going to mess this one up. Uh, yeah, golly. It, uh, yeah, that's funny. I'm kind of speechless now, but it's, it, it, I mean, having systems, and, and Corey, you, you mentioned this earlier, having systems are important. And, uh, and you know, I, maybe more so than, than others, I'm really worried about just, you know, failing any sort of audits. I want to make sure that I've dotted my I's, crossed my T's, I've got a system in place so that I can focus on what I want to focus on and, and not worry that the, uh, a, a boogeyman from a three-letter agency is going to come in the office and close us down for something silly. And, and I want to be able to show that. So it's, it's yeah, you know, PCS has been fantastic for us, and, and clearly you agree. The, and this is not from my knowledge of optometry, the cost of not being within compliance is not worth it. Sometimes I think people say, oh, it's too costly from a HIPAA or a... Um, tax or an employment law pers perspective. I've owned and operated my own business or businesses for over seven years now, employed thousands of people within the U.S. As you said, either the stress that comes from miscompliance or a three-letter agency chasing you or the cost. It, it is just too, too cost-effective today and it is, it is worth every penny in the world to never face the boogeyman and worth every investment out there for your own personal health and lifestyle, and then also the sake of your business going forward. And that is not a, just an endorsement of PCS, but it's, it is the right way as a business person to operate your business or else at some point you will get caught and it is way too painful and expensive to get out of. Yep, nope, couldn't agree more. And in fact, we, um, and we're getting away from the, the VA discussion, but I think this comment's important. You know, I hire, uh, somebody every year to come in and audit our charts. Um, you know, I, I, in fact, I just had Chris Wolf in the system uh, to to come and audit our charts this year to say, hey, you know, from a, a medical standpoint, are your charts appropriate? Or what you're doing? And what we found is that you know they were good. There's some tweaks we can make to make it better, and uh, we were very much optometrists and undercoding, um, and so we can do a better job there. I, we had Joe come in, uh, I believe it was the, earlier this year, um, and, and do a whole walkthrough on side of the office, you know, uh, opened every drawer, looked under every under desk um, to make sure that I was compliant on that aspect of it. And uh, I think the, the cost to fix where I wasn't was 200 bucks. Um, and, uh, but I'm, I'm sure it would have been a whole lot more and they were little things that I wasn't even aware of. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that preventative care, preventative maintenance, whatever you want to call it, is a lot easier than dealing with the, the repercussions on the back end. The, um, I had a question that just left my mind. Cut that out. The, uh, oh, it was a really good question too, and I just forgot it. It was the worst. Ah, oh, shit, I can't remember. Hey, that's the worst moment where you're like, it's on the tip of your tongue and then bam. Yeah, oh. that's right. We can cut this part out. The, um, so, um, and Joe, I, I don't know if we're going to get your, um, uh, hopefully we get the audio when we lost you, uh, if it was recorded to you, um, but I know you're making a really good point. Do you recall what you were saying? Yeah, and, and I, I thought maybe we could go back and try to emphasize that because 
the point I was trying to make, and, and and this, you know, this really goes beyond just remote workers. Yeah, I, I've said many times, and, and I don't mean it to demean our profession or anybody in particular, but you know, we we all graduated with OD degrees, and they didn't get a they didn't come with a JD behind it and a marketing analysis degree and an IT degree. You know, we, we're optometrists, and even though we may understand pieces of that stuff. We're not experts, and the the way the world of regulation is is evolving, you you need expert advice, and you need to do things in an expert manner. And so, back to remote workers, you know, to me, you have as I've analyzed the market out there, you you predominantly have two choices. Uh, you can you can look for a. Uh, almost like a, uh, a uh, job search company. And so we've, we've searched and here's five people, go interview them and hire one of them. Um, that's fine if you're in San Diego, but again, if you're in Argentina or Nicaragua or wherever the heck you are, and I would want to be on the side that is 100% legally doing it the right way. When my government steps in, and says, no, 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 this wasn't legal then, and it's not legal now. Mm -hmm. Well, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it wasn't, it's been in recent history, last couple of years, really that California looked hard at independent contractors, and what the definition of an independent contractor was. No, no, no they didn't look hard at it, they eliminated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to be nice. Um, um, and that, that, through things for, for a loop. And so I think being aware of and being on the front end, um, you know, and, and there was no, no, hey, I didn't know, right? If you got caught yeah. up in that, you got caught up in that. And, uh, and it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't pretty financially. So I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. No. So, and I'm fighting with this light again. So the, um, I have my question and then the lights went out. Today's been a day. Uh, hey, it's, it's a Monday, but it's a Tuesday. Uh, we'll we call, call this Monday number two. Uh, so re really in it, the, the question I, I remembered I wanted to ask you, Corey, um, and I think we've talked a lot about the positives of virtual assistants, how great they can be, some of the ways they're using. And you hit on it a little bit, but what I want to know is where should I not look for a virtual assistant when does that just it doesn't make sense it, it's not the the time it's not the role when do you see it not work for for practices yeah really good question number one it's not your first hire you need someone in practice who is focused on building patient relationships patient care there's reasons to be cost effective and there's ways to save and engage more money the first hire is not the one in my opinion um, number two, and I'd say this is much more of a broad stroke, is the hire has to be integrated in. So if you're just looking to hire someone who's cheaper and put them out in the corner over there where they're doing some level of work for the practice, but you're not integrating them in, you are not maximizing the value or you're not the right fit for our service. We deeply believe that people to maximize value and success need to be integrated into the practice just like anyone else. And so those are kind of the two steps where if you're not ready, if you're just saying, oh, I can toss my paperwork over there and it's gonna be done and I'm gonna tell them the numbers they need to hit every day and I don't wanna talk to them beyond once a month just to make sure that they're good, it's not the right fit because the team member isn't engaged and valued where they're delivering the best work. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to take that last comment and stretch it just a little bit further. And we learned this as a revenue cycle management company. And pretty much any revenue cycle management company you talk to will, will agree with what I'm getting ready to say. And it is the number one reason for failure of a remote billing company is staff sabotage. And I'm going to probably go out on a limb and say it's, it's going to be it's really just what Corey just said. If it, they will sabotage this unless they buy in. So they have to buy into the remote process exactly the way you have. 
They can't be threatened by it. They can't think this is not a member of our team or they will take it down. Um, so that's just a little bit broader statement of what Corey said, but the staff has to buy this or it won't work. And ultimately, doctors need to help purvey that this is the benefit, just as Aaron talked about. This is for the benefit of the internal team, for the benefit of the patients. This is not, hey, we're moving all of our staff to another country so we can nickel and dime people. It's everywhere within the United States is more expensive. And in-person team members who are dedicated and engaged deserve more money. And this is a strategic avenue to do that. Mm -hmm. Nope, that makes sense. And I, I, to expand it even further, uh, the, it, it, our patients, I think, get better care when they get responded to quicker. When they've got somebody quick, more quickly responding to a text they send in um, or answering a phone call quickly or want to know, you know a question about their insurance, they, when I get, uh, so the new VA we're, we're uh, can I say hiring? We're bringing on, we're engaging with? I don't even know the right terminology. Is, is going to do a lot of the administrative tasks. They're going to pre-pull the insurance. They're going to pre-populate our Vision Source Max system. So when the patient goes to check out, their benefits are already in the system. And so that's a smoother, easier transition for them. They're, it's better for us to educate them on the, uh, the process. Our VA in the exam room as a scribe isn't there just taking notes, but also when we say, hey, I'm educating you on, on myopia management, they're able to send to that patient the documentation and the educational materials along with it. And so it's, it's a, a, a seamless process. Uh, ultimately, I want uh, either the current VA or, or another one um, to really be our, our first primary phone answering person or, or texting person, you know, to schedule appointments quicker, to uh, help patients, uh, you know, get questions answered. That way the experience that they have is top notch because there's nothing worse than the experience I've had this week with my dentist last two weeks. We have a new dentist. They've never answered the phone when I called. Have not once yet. I get the silly little message. It still says that, you know, it's the pre-Thanksgiving message that we're closed. You know, leave a message, we'll call you back, which I did, and, and they called me back, but not being able to engage with them when I want to engage with them. You know, I've got a bill for my kids there. I need to give them 800 bucks, and they're not answering the darn phone for me to give them $800. It's, it's, I've got a whole list of things to do when I have my appointment next week to sit down with the owner and say, hey, we got to fix this. Because um, you're a great doctor, but this experience is not what I'm looking forward to. So that's one of the things I want to, and one of the reasons why we're bringing in the, the next virtual assistant is because of that experience. And that reflects poorly, not just on me, but on my entire team, if it's a bad. And if it's a good experience, it reflects positively on all of us. And the reality is in today's market, if people have a frustrating experience, they generally call the next Google listing. If you look at new patient phone calls, if I think it's, and I can't remember, but there's a 14% chance that a new patient will leave a voicemail if it goes unanswered. And within, I think, less than 10 minutes, if they have not been called back and they are a new patient, they're most likely to call the next available Google listing to a, make that appointment so the value of being proactive and quick to act not only for the benefit of the patients but maximizing your conversion on all opportunities is essential nope, nope i agree i think uh, experience is is number one right and uh, if the experience is good the perceived value of everything we're offering is good if the experience is bad even if you know what we're offering is is you know very high value quality the perception of it isn't Cool. Well, Corey, Joe, uh, I think that we've got uh, lots more conversations on this topic of virtual assistants and, and how we engage with them is, is super important. Um, and uh, apologize for any technical difficulties, but uh, you know, Monday number two is struck again. Uh, but I think that the conversation is, uh, uh, it, it was super helpful and enlightening. Um, I've taken notes just for my own, uh, my own office. So um, any last you know, parting words, parting thoughts that you wanted to make sure that we, we share with everyone? I mean, all I can say, if, if, I, if I could have converted my opinion on this, almost anyone could. I mean, once you get involved, you'll realize how, how valuable it is. 
No, I mean, last comment for me is we're just really grateful to be in the industry. I've uh, been lucky to, you know, interact with lots of entrepreneurs and dentists and optometrists and dermatologists and have really enjoyed um, the optometric profession as a whole and the relationships and learning that we have undergone in, uh, as a company. And so overall, just as we wrap up, we're so grateful to be here. And I'm excited to do this in a year or do this again in two years and talk about how we have taken the services we provide and the ease of integration to the next level so that we can be even bigger and better. Ah, love it. And Corey, if anybody's, uh, I'll put your, your contact information and, and meets contact information in the, in the notes. Um, but for those who are listening, if they want to reach out, where can they find you? Yeah, so best way to reach us is our website, which is www.hireteam.com. It's H-I-R-E-T-E-E-M.com. And uh, from there, there's a bunch of different ways to reach out to our team and contact us to learn more. So, awesome. Well, I appreciate it very much. And, uh, and, and Joe, appreciate you being on. Appreciate you sharing your expertise and PCS's uh, expertise in an area that... Uh, uh, I didn't understand at all, and I'm sure my colleagues are, are many of them are in the same boat. So appreciate what you do, um, and we'll uh, we'll add PCS's contact information in the uh, the show notes as well. Um, by the way, if, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, on Chris Wolf's uh, bonus episode last Friday, he uh, spoke very highly of uh, of things to pay attention to on billing and coding, um, which I've shared with uh, with my whole team and uh, and actually our virtual assistant as well to make sure that when she's scribing. She keeps an eye out for, uh, for all of those to make to, so that you know, we don't run afoul anywhere. So, well, well, gentlemen, thank you very much. I appreciate your, your time and look forward to the next conversation. Thanks, everyone. Look forward to it.